0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Joel 2, find verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, I'm reading from the New International Version, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Would you say that? Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's what? Gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity. And leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Started the series called The Fast. We have uh, three different series, new ones that we're moving into. The Fast is one of them. Uh, The spirit failed family is another one. Perhaps the Lord will allow me to begin that tonight. We'll see. And uh, the other one is on vision. Without vision, my people perish. And uh, so if that's true, and it is, then we are flourishing because we have lots of vision. We do have notes for you, and uh, if you'll take those and fill in the blanks, that'll help you. Uh, to remember what I'm about to preach to you right there in the introduction, whenever a yoke was put on people, invariably it was broken off when they fasted and prayed, are the blanks, prayed and fasted. You could use either either way, prayer and fasting. And if you look through the Old Testament as well as in the New and you look in in, uh, in the nation's history, the nations of the world, modern history, you'll see that when people fast and pray and cry out to the God of Scripture that God intervenes, and and those yokes would be broken off. And what's amazing to me is even the ones that were broken, when I say yoke, do you know what I mean by yoke? I'm not talking about an egg yolk and albumin. I'm not not talking about that which you fried up and ate this morning. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes we use terminology that we just assume everybody knows, but a yoke is, of course, an egg yolk, but that's not not so what I mean. A yoke in scripture is referring to a farming implement that was put upon beasts of burden on their neck. And you would put two pair of... Uh, ox, for instance, and they would be yoked together by this farming implement, usually made of wood, and they'd be fastened and fit around the animal's neck, and then they would pull to like plow or thresh wheat, and so on and so forth. Now we've got John Deere and New Holland, and we have tractors, and we don't have yokes so much, but you'll see a yoke put upon a horse and a sleigh and so on and so forth. A yoke of bondage is something that the enemy puts on you. Jesus said, my burden is easy in my Yoke is light. That's what he's referring to. That which the Lord wants to put on you is light, and it fits, and it's it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. But the yoke of the enemy will hurt you, will weigh you down, and will weigh down a yoke on a nation, can destroy a nation. Our nation is horribly yoked by incredible problems and difficulties. How will that yoke be broken off of your life? Good question. How will that yoke be broken off of our nation? Another good question. How are yokes broken? And if you look in Scripture, they're broken by the anointing. They're broken by the power of God and through through rending our hearts and not our garments, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you look in Scripture, you'll see people like Hezekiah. He's king. Assyria comes to whoop up on God's people. Hezekiah fasts and prays. What's he do? He fasts and prays. He puts on sackcloth and ashes a picture of, of mourning, and he comes before the Lord, and he spreads the letter out in the temple, and I'm paraphrasing. He gets a word from Isaiah, and God caused a great deliverance, and it's directly related to his fasting and praying. And you look in people like Manasseh. Manasseh was not a real good king. He did things that were clearly wrong, but when he fasted and prayed, God to How about Ahab? You remember Ahab's wife? Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab Ahab had a lot of issues. I mean, the guy was an evil king. And the, Ahab and Jezebel did more to harm God's people than most kings throughout all of history. And yet Ahab, Ahab, that jerk, when he fasted and prayed, God heard and intervened. So some of you might be in Ahab today, but most of you aren't as bad as Ahab. And the truth is, if you fast and pray, come on, you missed a great place to say amen. If you fast and pray, God will break the yoke off of your family. You say, well, I don't think I have one. Praise the Lord. Fast and pray anyway, you might discover that you do. We believe in fasting and praying. You know, when we run into difficulties in, in my family, when we run into difficulties in the church, and you say, you have difficulties? Well, we've got challenges. We don't see them as so much difficulties, but. There are opportunities. Come on, problems are opportunity. You missed a great place to say that. Problems are opportunity. Don't feel like an opportunity. We'll change the way you think about it. You're like, I'm being promoted. My shed blew across the street and exploded into a pile of toothpicks. I'm being promoted, hallelujah. There's problems, but problems are opportunities, springboards for your promotion. When you face problems, if you will learn to do what the... the, the the forefathers of old did, but the righteous kings of old did. If you learn to fast and pray, you'll see things turn around. Problems are opportunities for us to check ourselves. Better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Our nation has a lot of problems. We have an opioid crisis. We have uh, racial division and divide that goes even worse than the '60s. Some say we have incredible amount of corruption uh, in our government at perhaps even the highest levels. We have all kinds of difficulty. We have famine. We have wars. We have the concern of North Korea. We have COVID-19 and the new, the new Emron version of that, which is a hysterical joke, but most of you missed it. But I'm just going to go ahead and say, we still have all kinds. And somebody said, hey, it's a scam, scamdemic. Well, I've done funerals, so scam or no scam, people are dying and there's difficulty and God is still on the throne. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? amen. Problems are real and there are opportunities for us to check ourselves in my family and as a church, as I've led this church under the, um, under the tutelage of Dr. James Morocco, my pastor for these 15 years. We've had all kinds of problems and obstacles and I will tell you what, when we responded rightly, through prayer and fasting, God has broken through every single time, and what, even if we have made mistakes, he turns it into good and turns it all around. Can you say yes? All right. So look at the context of what we're reading here and studying in this series called The Fast. Joel is a prophet, and he is talking about Incredible difficulties that are coming. In fact, judgment is on the way. And he says, you know, locusts are on the way, and they're gonna eat everything. We don't know much about locusts in in Alaska, but locusts, locusts, when they when they came across upon a land, they would eat everything green. They would destroy every blade of grass, every plant would be completely munched by an army of locusts. And locusts were a pitcher of judgment, and Joel is saying, hey, there's judgment coming, and I want you to repent is what he's saying. He's saying, if you'll turn to the Lord, then God will turn things around. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, I think America needs to repent. And uh, as I said in the first service, I'll say now, it's easy to get your back up and get all bowed up. Can you believe what they're doing? They're tearing down all the monuments. They took away the Ten Commandments out of the Capitol Rotunda. It just, it's just horrible, all the atrocities from the White House. But you're not looking at the fact that you drank two six-packs of Pabst Blue Ribbon and had a bunch of Valiums the other night. Oh, did I step in something? You, 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 don't, you don't want to look at your life, your life about how how about the Ten Commandments you took off of your wall? How about the fact that you don't obey them? How about, oh, I'm preaching better than you're amening. It's so easy to point at the table. At, you know what that quarterback should have done? What kind of a stupid play was that? Every time I say that, I can't help but think about, I probably need healing from that Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos and the Seahawks right on that line. And for God's, what is the Patriots? Pardon me, those ball flatteners. Patriots, pardon me. They're right on that line. They're right on that line. Why you wouldn't run Marshall Lynch? I don't know why. For God's sake, be healed. I've digressed. I can't even remember what I'm preaching on. I have just blew my mind. It's so easy to point the finger at everybody else who's got problems. There was a, a, a young man who was a part of our church, And uh, he used to say this. He says, if you want to have revival, just put a circle around yourself and have it. You see, the way a nation turns back to God, nations are made of families. So you turn your family back to God. You turn back to God. And if we can see that spread, we'll have a a revival, a reformation. So easy to point the finger. Uh, We stand on the precipice of another world war. We stand on the precipice of an economic meltdown, unprecedented in, in world history, some say. We stand on the precipice of now another, another pandemic. You say another one? It wasn't the first pandemic, and it's not going to be the last one. And really, it's pretty minor compared. I mean, it's not, I understand. I'm not, I'm not mocking. I'm just saying comparatively, statistically, compared to other plagues that have gone swept through the earth, you know, thank God it's not been worse. So is there a worse one? Probably. Somebody said that there's now another one that can kill up to 50% mortality rate. I don't know. I just know that God's on the throne. And that I know that if, if there isn't a global repentance, which is gonna start with me. Come on, someone say it starts with me. And we're gonna see locusts come upon the land. The most important relationship with you that you have, now this is gonna bother you, and I'm saying it on purpose to bother you. The most important relationship you have is not your wife. And it's not your husband. No, the lady said, it's the Lord. The most important relationship you have is with the one who made you. That's the most important. Because if you lose that, you won't be married long. If you don't have that, you won't have a healthy marriage. You don't have that, your kids are gonna get jacked up. If we don't have our relationship with God right, our nation is gonna be hammered. And guess what? That's exactly what's happening because our nation needs to turn back to God. And it starts with us. So when you face difficulties and you see difficulties, you say, well, I, I'm not really having a difficulty in my house. Well, own the difficulties of the nation. Take personal responsibility because if you don't, it'll soon be within your house. That's how that is. So many people are like, well, it's, you know, I'm, we're doing pretty good. The church hid out in a church building and that's why the church hid from evangelism and from reaching and from voting from and from getting involved. They, they, they just you know, just tried to hide, and just hope Jesus comes back. Well, he's not back yet, and things are going to hell in a handbasket, but if the church arises, if people, you're the church. Come on, somebody say, I'm the church. If the church arises and turns as Joel is telling them, then God would have released a blessing. And so in times of difficulty, Don't let your heart go hard towards God. God wants to break us free from a yoke. He wants to break us free in our homes. He wants to break our community free. He wants to break our nation free. How does that happen? Prayer and fasting is one of the greatest ways to see that happen. Let's look at the description of of true fasting here. And uh, I would encourage you also in your own time to go look at Isaiah 58. I might preach from Isaiah 58 before it's all done. But Isaiah 58 is a beautiful picture of what true and false fasting is. There is such a thing as false fasting. You might as well just eat if you're going to do that. You can, like, not eat and it not be fasting. You could restrict yourself from food and drink, and it would just be better if you were just gorging yourself because it's the same thing. Isaiah 58 talks about, well, you, you, you fast and you restrict yourself, but you're mean, you, bl- you hit with the fist and you curse people and you're unfair and you're, you, you, you're, you might as well just eat. I mean, that's kind of what Isaiah 58, but then he goes on to say, is this the kind of fasting that your voice to be heard on high? And he goes on to define what true fasting is. But true fasting is here also. Verse 13, Joel 2, if you're all there, say yes. Rend your heart and not your garment. Rend your heart. There's a twofold aspect of that. Rending your heart. See, rending your garment, they were upset, they'd be like, ah, and they'd rip their clothes. You see that through scripture. Maybe you've seen it in movies and Charlton Heston or whatever. But he says, rend your heart, not your gro-. the rending of your heart. What does it mean to rend your heart in repentance? It's a picture of repentance, a picture, a picture of godly sorrow. Rending your heart. Number one, change your your attitude, your attitude. Are there any pilots here today? All right, pilots. Then if you're a pilot or you're in, in, in training perhaps, an attitude indicator on an instrument panel of any airplane determines your altitude. And I will tell you the same is true in life, that if your attitude before the Lord is stink, you're gonna crash. It's not gonna be good. Rend your heart and not your garment. Turn to the Lord, for he's gracious and merciful. James 4, verse 8, come near to me, or come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I, I referenced a uh, YouTube video, I Dare You, I, a double-dog dare you to watch it. It's called A Call to Anguish by... Um, David Wilkerson, thank you so much, I dare you. I dare you, if you got guts, go, go watch the whole thing and don't ri- watch the revised version, watch the whole thing. And this call to anguish, you see, the church doesn't anguish or grieve over sin anymore. You know, it's a lot of leadership. It's great leadership. There's greater leadership teaching in in the body of Christ now than I think ever before. There's lots of messages on joy, lots of messages on hope, lots of messages on purpose. There's not many messages on grief and sorrow over sin, but that's that which has crucified Jesus Christ. You see, that's kind of intense. Yeah, it is kind of intense because sin will kill you and it'll destroy you. And so this call of Joel is, is to rend your heart. It's a picture of grieving over sin, over your sin. Hang on, come on, I'm not going to stay here too long unless you don't smile. Start smiling or something, I'm on. Somebody said, are you one of those hellfire churches? They asked, it was in the sauna. Well, that kind of church, what kind of church are you? you one of those hellfire ones? And I thought for a second, I was instantly going to say no. Because like, I don't really think of us like that. The picture of the hellfire churches, that's all they preach on. Hell, fire, repent or burn. Turn and burn, baby. (laughs) And then I I knew what he meant, but at least I think I did. And then I thought to myself, well, I'm not gonna say no because we believe in hellfire. And so I said, no, no, we are are that kind, yeah. (laughs) And he just looked at me like, what? And then I just clearly told him what I meant. So, as you look at your life here, we start to f- prayer and fast. You want to see things turn around. Rend your heart. Check your attitude. How's your attitude towards your spouse? Oh, I'm going to get a little closer. How, how's your attitude towards your children? How's your attitude towards the church? How's your attitude towards God? How's your attitude? I was so bowed up this morning. It started by... The fact that my, I was sleeping really good. Does anybody know what it's like? It's just de- Started detoxing from all the bonbons and stuff. Starting to feel like a sugar cookie. Anyway, I've started detoxing and, and I'm, I'm out, like out. My alarm goes off and, and Pastor Karen has to wake me up, which is rare. I usually hear it right away. I don't hear it because I'm just gone, dreaming of amazing things. And she says, your phone, the alarm. I'm like, uh, oh, I've already done it. And I I press stop. I don't ever press snooze. Maybe you're a snooze type. I'm not. I press stop because that's it. I'm not going to get one warning and uh, I better get up. And so I press stop. I lie there for a second and I start preaching, which is my pattern. I start preaching and I'm sort of sleep in between. And so things are going well in my message in my head. I'm reviewing what I'm preaching to you right now. and And it's going on. I can see things. I start getting some prophetic stuff. And then Pastor Karen sits up because she's going to get up. And then she abruptly, unknowingly, I'm sure, not on purpose, but snatched the covers. (laughs) And they just just came off of my chest and there I am. And it's colder in the house because of the wind. And so I was just like, oh, you know, and I just snatched those things back. And she's like, hey. I'm like, what? She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. But I wasn't. It just irritated me. I don't know. And I had a headache. I was detoxing. So I finally get up. and It's <laughs> crazy. I had to get a headache to go into sugar. Now I got a headache coming out. Jesus, help me out. My attitude was not good. And it began to get worse. And then I started putting off that vibe, you know, don't talk to me. And uh, I'm irritated vibe. Some of you don't know anything about what I'm talking about right now. but So she says, are, are we okay? It's a good question to ask. Are we okay? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, you jerk. You're preaching on this very thing. And I just thought, Change your attitude. I just had to just crank that thing over and change it to just, oh, God, you're good. Lord, thank you. I have a headache, but it's all right. I have. A, and then I hear Pastor Karen talking to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my house. Thank you that we have a roof over our head. <laughs> thank you, God. We are inside with the heat. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I just said, oh, I'm selfish, and I'm, I'm still irritated about the covers, and I can't even start thanking God. Lord, forgive me. I didn't say it out loud, but I said it in my heart. And I changed my thinking, which is number two. Rending your heart is about changing your attitude, but it's also about changing your stinking thinking. You've got to think differently. You've got to force yourself to think differently. And in marriage, you know, I... There's moments of revelation that come to me as a man where I begin to feel like I have understanding. And the Lord then tells me, you don't understand. I begin to have revelation about my wife and what she's feeling, what she's thinking. And then God, she says, you don't understand. And the Lord's like, that's right. You don't understand him. (laughs) So before you think I'm picking on men, ladies, there's moments where you think you understand men. You don't. We're very simple. You say, he's not spiritual enough. He's not sensitive enough. When you ask a man how he feels, it's either, fellas, just remember this, mad, sad, or glad. Ready? mad, sad, or glad. All right, so you can share that. And this usually, really, it, it can just be that simple. It's not a whole story. It's not like, what do they say? Women are like spaghetti and men are like uh, Pop-Tarts or something. I forget what it is. <laughs> we better move on. Jesus, help us. He's not a leader enough. He's not, listen, thank God for what he is and thank God for what she is and change your attitude, rend your heart. Start being like Christ and things will go way better. You missed a great place to say amen. Somebody said, what's the key to marriage? Crucifixion is the key, amen. Die to yourself and serve. And you'll find your heart being illuminated, amen. If it's all about you, it's all about me. You should do things my way. No, it's not about you and doing your things your way. Return to the Lord, verse 13. It's really a picture of repentance. It's a picture of prayer, a picture of true fasting, changing your attitude, rend your heart, your attitude, change your thinking. By the way, your emotions will follow your thoughts. For me and my cover snatched irritation and pounding headache, I had to change. I started saying yes. Thank you for my house. Yes. Thank. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. You're good, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving. I started declaring the goodness of God, and my heart shifted, and I began to have joy, and I found myself shortly thereafter giggling all by myself. If you see somebody giggling in this church, they're not insane. Well, there might be some. The joy of the Lord. When you change the way you think and you start having joy. All right. Attitude. Return to the Lord. Have a new focus. This is verse 13. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious. Have a new focus. Begin to think on him. What you think about God and what you think about yourself is critical to you walking in victory. If you have a distortion about God and a distortion about yourself, then you're gonna live a life of distortion and it's not gonna be good. I've had somebody say to me recently, you know what, I just think everybody hates me. I got news for you. First of all, you don't know everybody, number one. Number two, not everybody hates you. You just think they do and then you act all jerkish and mean and then people don't wanna be around you and you're offended. So, I mean, some of you were offended when you came out of the womb, you were offended. People that have a spirit of rejection continue that cycle by, by the way that they behave. So who wants to be around you? are mean. And so then you, you, you're self-fulfilling prophecy through your, I'm not talking to anybody in this church today, am I? You got to change the way you think. Keep in mind, he's holy. He's holy. The closer you get to him, the more you'll be like him. The enemy wants to drive you away to make your own fig leaves like, like he did with Adam and Eve. But if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you, and then you'll become more like him. Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter, chapter 5, and he's just like, whoa, everybody, you're all a bunch of sinners. You bunch of rank, whoa. And he's not talking to a horse. He's talking to people saying, you're in trouble. You're all in trouble. And then the, the glory of the Lord comes, and he's like, ah. I'm in trouble. I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, the closer you get to God, the more you realize you're not like him. So quit pointing your finger at people and begin to examine your own heart and then realize he makes a way for us to be washed and cleansed. Have a true fear of God. Have a true fear of God. This is called changing your focus. Keep in mind he's holy. Have the true fear of God. Revelation 2 and 5, repent, do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. It's talking to the church there. There's churches that have lost their lampstand. A lamp is a picture of the light of the gospel. It's a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of God. God is light. It's a picture of favor. It's a picture of many things. A, his word is a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. We could do a whole study on it. But, you, but I think many people don't realize that if you, if you don't live close with God, you can end up becoming apostate. You could drift away. That's why you need messages like this. That's why you need times of prayer and fasting so you can take a look to make sure you don't have an adulterous heart. I don't have an adulterous heart. Are you sure? Let's check. So, uh, sir, you go to work and you just can't wait. I mean, in fact, when you're getting dressed, you're thinking about, Susie Q, who's a fictitious name, was somebody that's at work. And you remember that she likes the color green. In fact, you've been sharing sandwiches every so often, and uh, you look forward to seeing Susie Q. She's so sweet and kind, and she talks about how handsome you are every time you walk in, and you just, you know, back home, you're always like, fix the screen door, fix a door. Get no respect, no respect. Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, but you feel honored and respected by Susie Q. So when you come in, you're just like a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Susie, How's it going? You need any help? The wind's been blowing pretty hard. You need any help over at your house? Oh, 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 You're on the way to destroying your whole life. You're on the way to destroying your life. I don't have any issues. Well, maybe now I've shed some light. Okay, so let's pick on women. Women, same thing. He listens to me. He understands my feelings. My husband doesn't even want to talk. I can't even get his face off of his phone. We better move on. See, if you lose your love with God, you lose your heart for the Lord. You, you lose your first love. You'll drift. And before you know it, that, that, that's called heart adultery. That's what Pastor Karen and I have coined, that heart adultery. You begin to be enamored by somebody. You begin to think about them. And then later on, you're fascinating, fa- having fascinations in your mind. You're being set up by the devil, a spirit of adultery to destroy you. If your right hand offends you, pluck it out. You pluck out your hand. There's your eye. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. Pluck out your hand. It's not, it's not that the Lord wants us to go to, you know, go to heaven uh, beamed. He's saying that it'd be better for one part of you to be destroyed than all of you to be thrown into hell. You have to deal very aggressively with things like that. Sin, you gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with it. Come on, take action. Everybody say take action. All right, it's it's about to get encouraging. There's like nine blessings that are coming up. This is the hard part. Just bump your neighbor and say, "Hang on, hang on." Take action, confession. It's so important to have relationships with each other in the church. I've said this before, but some of you think I'm joking. I'm not. I'm really not joking. If you don't develop relationships in the house of the Lord, where there's a there's a um, uh, covenant relationships, I call them, where you're able to be transparent and real with another man, man to man, women to women, generally speaking. Now, in your marriage, there needs to be a transparency in your marriage if you don't have that. We say this in the Bracken home, we didn't, Brackens don't have any secrets, meaning I have no secrets. I have nothing on my phone. I'm not holding anything that you don't know about. Uh, we, we keep, somebody say, you better keep a short list. We don't have a list. We burn the list by the end of the day. We do our very best to do that. Did I repent yet? I did to the Lord, did I? Sorry, anyway. You need to repent for snatching the covers, What you need to do. Anyway, I don't know why it is. I don't know why it is. But I sometimes as a man, and I know women probably feel the same way. I'm going over here, over here. Sometimes I feel like I'm the one that always has to repent. Why am I always the one? It's the same reason that if you do a selfie right now, go ahead, do a selfie. Really, take your phone. Go ahead, try it. We've done this before. It's lots of fun. Open your phone. Here we go. Ready? All right, go. Okay, I just did a selfie with all of you all. Do your own selfie. Go ahead, go ahead. It's a little experiment. Go ahead, take your phone. Oh, you don't have a phone? It's that $1,000 device you have take a picture of yourself all right we'll help you out did you get it okay now open that open that picture what's the first person you look at you know you looked at you the first person you looked at was you all right it's twelve 11. we're almost done We always think we're the first ones to repent. We always think that it's, you know, us, us, us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about others, and it's about God. You have to develop relationships and foster transparency with relationships. If you have a secret agenda, you will soon be destroyed. I've done lots of spiritual autopsies. I'm telling you, if you have some secret thing that's hidden in your life, it will be shouted on the rooftop, and it will destroy you. So what do you do? Don't have any secrets. Expose them to everybody. No, not to everybody. Somebody says, "Well, I read it. it says tell it to the church." That's not what that means, okay? You need to develop relationships. That's why life groups are important. Teams are important. Developing relationships with people so that you can be open and transparent. Why? Because the devil roars. You know, he's around like a roaring lion, seeking you. He may devour. We need each other. It's not good for man to be alone. Oh, lots of scripture here. Be reconciled. Look at B. Be reconciled. Call someone who you've offended and repent. If you stole money 30 years ago, pay it back with interest, unless it's a drug dealer and you can just let that go. Change your behavior. Change your behavior. You know, we talked about, I'm trying to remember the name of that that lady that wrote about neurolinguistics, not neural linguistics but neurology and again, Carolyn Leaf. Is that right? We've talked about it before, but you have to change your behavior. And if you change your behavior and you change the way you think, you develop new neural paths in your mind. Some of you, some of you don't understand what I'm telling you. I remember years ago, a guy was in a rehab and uh, he got out of the rehab and he was doing a 12-step program and at the 12-step program he just he was just frustrated he couldn't figure it out and uh, so he talked to his sponsor and the sponsor said here's what I want you to do take take the tv off of the shelf in your apartment he said a five store a five the fifth floor of a brownstone in New York took a took the tv off wasn't a flat screen it's one of those old ones put it on his shoulder and the and the the uh the the counselor, not the counselor, the sponsor told him, put it on your shoulder, go all the way down the stairs, all the way down into the street, go into the the alley, run back and forth with the TV, and then call me as soon as you're done. So the guy's like, what? That's crazy. People are going to think I'm crazy. He said, just do it. So he went, he took the TV, took it out of his, it was his TV. He went outside, he's going down the stairs, he's walking past neighbors or people are looking at him like he's ripping off the apartment. He gets down to the gets down. He starts feeling like starts feeling really exhilarated. By the time he's down on a street level with the TV on his shoulder, looks around, goes to the aisle, uh, the alleyway, and sprints back and forth. He's like, <laughs> and he you know puts the phone the, the thing down and finds a phone and calls his his uh, sponsor. And his sponsor says, "Well, how are you feeling right now?" He says, "Man, I feel awesome." He says, "That's because you're addicted to drama. This so all you've had in your life is like that." And so now things are like calm and normal and you, you, need to, you need to develop new neural paths. You need to change the way you think and change your behavior. So we'd no, I just should, maybe I should just run back and forth of the TV. No, no. <laughs> change the way you think and change your behavior. And it, it's, not, it's not overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. I love what my mama said so many years ago. There's no 90 day wonders in the kingdom of God. There is a the miraculous salvation and then conversion, but there, it, takes, it takes a minute. And how, how long does it take? I don't know. Don't worry about that. A day is like a 1,000 years. A 1,000 years is like a day. Commit to expressing love to your wife. Commit to expressing love to your husband. Commit to being affectionate with your kids. Commit to thinking rightly. And when you're, when you're not, change the way you think. Renew your mind, Romans 12.2. All right. Corporately, look at verse 15. Corporately seek the Lord. Individual and corporate prayer. Now, we're, that's what we're doing now. We've called you to fat prayer and fasting. Individual prayer and corporate prayer are very different. Corporate prayer is crucial. Individual prayer, you, you got to have that. But corporate prayer, you got to have too. And I will tell you that most of my friends, most of my pastor friends outside of, our, outside of Kings, and I say outside of Kings because at Kings, as a pastor in Kings, it's mandatory. It's not an option whether you're going to have a corporate time of prayer as a pastor of one of our 500 churches. You're going to have one because that is part of the DNA. That is what we do. Well, I'm, that's not when I get my prayer time. Well, it is now. You still have your prayer time, but that corporate thing's crucial. And I will tell you that many, in fact, 80-plus 80, 80 percent of my friends, mega church pastors, they don't have it. They go through difficulties, and I try to tell them, dude, you need a corporate time of prayer. They don't listen. They feel like, well, I could just have it online or I could just do this or if I could just get my leaders praying. Um, I am absolutely adamant and convinced of the efficacy of prayer, the power of corporate prayer. The reason we're doing, able to do what we've done and the reason we're still here is because we're here in the morning at 7 a.m. There's only 40 or 50. There's been as many as 80. I'm believing for 100 people here. The church of 1,500 to 2,000 people, you have 40 to 50 people praying in the morning? Thank God, because there wouldn't be jack squat, wouldn't have any building. We'd all be toast. Wouldn't be any Kings, Alaska, I'm telling you. Corporate prayer. Or do you have any corporate time of prayer? You so say, I can't, I'm too busy. You're too busy not to have one. You need to have a family time where you gather your family. Something uh, just recently I heard we had, we had a guest over our house, and they had a few meals with us and noticed that we had family meals. Like we sat down through the holidays and said we ate for breakfast or we ate for lunch and we ate for dinner. do you know that's unusual these days? Most people, they get their food and they go to the couch and they watch the TV. They don't have a quick, listen, the table, that table time is really important in my estimation of things. You put the phone down, do what you call high-low. That's what we do at our house, high-low. You go, you start from the youngest, go to the oldest. High, what's the high point of the day? Oh, whoo. What's the low point? Okay, great. And we move on to the next person. High, low. And you're able to interact and talk and share and pray. And it's beautiful. It doesn't have to take a long time. You don't have to do it every day, but I think you have to do it regularly. And you have to have a regular time of corporate prayer in families as well as in churches. All right, what true prayer and fasting brings? Everybody say an outpouring. All right, verse 18 and 19 talk about provision. I'll send you grain and new wine verse 20 come on how many of you need some provision hallelujah amen verse 20 i'll drive the northern army away from you what's that a picture of deliverance i've I found that i need to be delivered from things i don't even know i need to be delivered from there's some things i know you know god set me free from this saying i don't want that attitude anymore you know i mean it's gotten less and less <laughs> thank god as i've gotten older in the lord but there are things that God will reveal to you that you did not even know you had. You'll wake up and he'll be like, oh my gosh. Deliverance, deliverance for your family, deliverance for your, for your children, deliverance for your relatives, deliverance for a nation. Verse 20, I'll drive out the Northern Army. I'll remove the Northern Army. I'll drive them away into a barren, desolate land. Deliverance, prayer and fasting, true prayer and fasting releases provision, releases deliverance, releases fruitfulness. Look at verse 22. I should probably have spent more time on this than the repentance part, but since you were looking so sour at me this morning, I thought I'd just try to fire you up. Come on, there's places that you need to deal with. And when you deal with them, this is what happens. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Verse 22, don't be afraid. All wild animals of the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit, and the fig tree and the vine yield their fruitfulness. It's an awesome thing. God wants to release fruitfulness through you and through me. Restoration, verse 25, 26. Keys, please. I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. This was, I think, the first prophetic promise that I, that I ever got was this. Joel two twenty-five, and I'll restore all the years that the locusts have taken. I understood what that was because of my behavior, because of my, the things that, the way that I lived, I had great destruction almost to the point of my very life. I gave my life to Jesus some 25 years ago, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, wow. 30, 30 plus years ago, gave my life to Jesus. How many, Pastor Karen? 30. Yours. wow <laughs> just got overwhelmed for a second i've been living in christ longer than i was living without him some of you were born into the family of god and gave your heart to jesus at a christian home and gave your heart to jesus when you were like two or three or some four or five or six praise god for that that's the testimony my kids have well, I lost a lot, you know, except for my life. I didn't lose that, thank God. And then I got God's redeemed so much. He's going to redeem it. He's going to redeem it all. Come on, somebody say He's going to redeem it all. That's what He does. If you do the front part of it—true prayer, true fasting—there's restoration. And I have seen so much restoration. It's like a thing that's happening through the body. It's a, it's a, there's a, there's a restoration. A restoration, anointing. I mean, I don't know what to call it. So many sons, fathers, and sons being restored. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stories, all kinds. They didn't talk to their mom, and now they're talking. They called, and now they're connecting, and family that was separated, and now things are mended, and we're talking again, and, and there's healing again, and daughters that have called, or sons that are called, and restoration. Secondly, reformation. Verse 28, and we didn't read this. We didn't read verse 25, 26 either, but it's, it's there in the text. Verse 28, the most quoted scripture from all Pentecostals and spirit-filled people. And, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. What does that mean? The context, understand the context. I preached on it last Wednesday. The context afterwards, after what? How many of you want a release of God's power in your life? How many of you wanna see healing and breakthrough in the nation and the community? How many of you wanna see people get set free from drugs and alcohol and opioids? How many of you wanna see that? Well, here's what he says. He says that the turnaround comes afterwards. After what? After turning to the Lord, towards rending your heart and not your garment. The, 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 The blessing afterwards talks about what took place before. After what? After prayer, after fasting, after true repentance comes a release of God's power. That's what we're believing God for over these next 21 days. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm calling you to a corporate prayer and fasting. There will, times of prayer there might be more than what we have now, but we have currently Mondays through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8, and it's online. You say I can't because I'm driving. I understand. Don't quit your job. Keep your job. Log in instead of listening to the Doobie Brothers on the way to on the way to uh, Anchorage. Tune in and, and pray. How about listening to worship? If you can't log in or the time's wrong or whatever, or something happened, how about, how about log in? Yeah, let's go ahead and pass these cards out. Uh, this is just a card to, to show your commitment. They've found, and that's why we do it, one of the reasons, that if you'll write down your commitment, it helps you keep it. And then the other reason is is that we're going to put a letter together. It should be done by tonight, by the grace of God, so that we can all be in agreement. Certain things we're praying for. As a family, what do you believe in God for in your family, in your marriage? What do you believe in God for in your home, in your finances? What are the things that you're praying and fasting for? Write them down, put it on the fridge, get a magnet, put it on there. Uh, Maybe not, you won't see it as much because you won't be eating like you used to. There's all kinds of different... There's all kinds of different fasting methods. The main thing is to true fasting is an issue of the heart has nothing to do with food. I said it has nothing to do with food. But folding down your humanity, your humanity, folding down your five senses and awakening to God and his purpose, there is something about restraining yourself from food. So you just let the Lord lead you. Don't die early if you're on medication or whatever you need to talk to a doctor. Please do it. Amen. There's three-day fast, there's one-week fast, there's 21-day fast, there's 40-day fast. We're just doing a 21. You can do it. There's a grace that's released. We start tomorrow. Amen. So last supper will be tonight. Hallelujah. Last chance to eat all those leftovers. It'll come to pass afterward. After what? After true prayer and true fasting that he pours out his spirit. Want a new level of God's power, favor, anointing, provision, fruitfulness? Want restoration? Pray, fast, watch God turn things around. And family, as I said, are made of, the nations are made of families. If, if we turn our family and you turn your family, if I turn my family, you turn your family and we reach out to our neighbors, they turn one by one like a wildfire could spread across America. We could see America saved.